Amen. Joy to the world. Amen. Oh, man, I don't know about you, but it's Christmas, hey? Amen. I invite you to be seated. We're so glad you're here this morning as we stop and consider what it means to have this thrill of hope as the weary world rejoices. And I love singing that song, Joy to the World. It's the most popular Christmas song according to everything I've read. And so it's really kind of fascinating that it was written in 1719. You probably know that. Everybody knew that already, right? Isaac Watts. And um, one of the things I, I think... Every year, I try to watch the lighting of the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Plaza. Anybody else ever try to watch that? Okay, seven of us. That's why they cover it so well. But um, as I just love it because what happens is after all the stuff that goes on for two hours ahead, in the last three minutes, they have the lighting of the tree. And it's the countdown, and the lights come on on the tree, and, and then it's joy to the world. And they're playing joy to the world. And that's what they let you hear. And the first two verses and chorus of Joy to the World is played as that tree is lit. And I, I love that because we try to keep God out of all this stuff, right? And he just keeps showing up. You know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And so, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. Well, I'm glad to be with you again. Karen and I lived through COVID, amen, and uh, praise God. And we're, <laughs> we're really grateful for all the prayers. I had a little bit of fatigue. She lost her taste and smell, and um, I had some confusion in my head, but, you know, kind of that happens anyway. So I'm, I'm blaming it on COVID. All right, there we go. But anyway, I brought my favorite cup because thinking of joy, and I thought um, I'd, I'd share my favorite cup with you. Anybody, you know, I'm, can, you, can you all kind of see that? I don't know. Do you all know what that is? Okay. Everybody got that, right? Merry Christmas. Noel, right? Noel, huh? Get it? All right. Okay, so maybe it's not as funny as I thought, but I love that cup. I, I think that cup is great because it reminds me that, you know, and Noel means Christmas, right? Um, it, it means birth, it means Christmas, it means a whole lot of stuff depending on which, <laughs> which Google search you do. But um, basically, it's talking about Christmas. And so this idea of Noel, and, um, and so when I look at that and see the Noel, I think of, you know, no languishing, right? L stands for languishing, so... Well, joy to the world. And I know the kids need to be released, so I'll do that now. So kids through gates four, Miss Sally's ready there for you. And um, we're going to take a look at this, this whole idea of joy to the world. And uh, joy to the world, that song that we sing, is actually not a Christmas song. I don't know if you realize that or not, but as it was written, uh, Isaac Watts wrote that, and he wrote it as a response to the Psalms. As he went through the Psalms, he would put the Psalms to, um, to song. And <clears throat> one of them that he did that with was Psalm 98. And Psalm 98 is actually the Psalm where we get the basis for joy to the world. And uh, right in the middle of that Psalm, it says, shout to the joy for the Lord, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with a harp. Make with a harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord 
the king. So joy to the world, the Lord is come. And so today we're looking at this idea of joy. And before we look into God's word, let's just spend a couple minutes in prayer here, shall we? Father God, how we thank you and praise you. We thank you that, that there is a thrill of hope to be had in a weary world. And Lord, I, I thank you for that. I thank you that the weary world can rejoice. And we can rejoice because the Lord has come. And Father, as we look at that today, I pray that you would overwhelm us with a sense of that. Lord, as we look forward into 2021 and we look backwards in 2020, we're, we're looking at Christmas, Lord, and we're thinking of the fact that God, you, the Son of God, came and took on flesh and came down. The King came to the world he created. And you came here, Lord, so that we could know you and so that we could be given over to serving you. So thank you for that. And as we look at joy today, Lord, I pray for each one of us, wherever it may be, that we've allowed joy to be taken from us, that today we'd be reminded of why we can have great and fantastic joy in you. So speak, Lord. Your children are listening. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. So, joy to the world. And uh, when we think about joy, we think about the Christmas narrative in Scripture. And as, I, as we've talked about several times, the, the narrative of Christmas isn't really all that great in Scripture. There's a, a few verses, but there really aren't a lot of verses that tell us about it. But in the midst of it are the shepherds. And we looked at those the first week when we were looking at hope. But here we're going to take a look at what the angel said to the shepherds. And the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. I love it. <clears throat> Whenever we see an angel appear, lots of times in Scripture, when an angel appears, the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid. Because it's kind of like, when you see an angel, you're going to be afraid. And so I know sometimes people are like, oh, I wish I could see an angel. Well, if you did, you'd probably be afraid. And the first thing the angel would say is, don't be afraid. Okay? And, and so then you'd be able to go, okay, good. You don't have to be afraid. He's bringing good news of great joy for all the people. So one of the things I see here is that if you're going to really experience the joy, the good news of great joy, if we're really going to experience that good news of great joy, we need to not be afraid. All right? And it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because when you really think about it, the narrative that we've been getting told over this past year has really been a narrative that has stirred up fear. And it's stirred it up in all sorts of different places. I know as I talk to some people, they're afraid to wear masks. Some people are afraid not to wear masks. Some people are afraid to vote. Some people are afraid not to vote. Some people, you know, we're just, we've, we've got this fear thing that's going on. And, and we, we, we listen to this narrative and it begins to trap us into fear. And one of the things that's really a blessing for an introvert is to go and get a positive COVID test, and they say, you need to stay at home alone for 10 days. And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know? And, um, but, but what happens is, for a guy like me, I'm one of these guys, I have this wonder thing that goes on in my mind, and so I just sit and ponder all these things. And, and, and as, I've, as, I, as I spent these 10 days fatigued and, and somewhat confused and, and just pondering over, really, do you remember a year ago? Do you remember what you were thinking about a year ago compared to what you're thinking about today? 
You know, and, and what fueled the narratives, what, what was the narrative that fueled what you were thinking about a year ago and what you're thinking about today? And I think as, I, as I've thought about it, I realized that there were places in my life where I've given over to fear. Now, it's not like I'm in my home locked up or anything like that. But, but I realized that, that there's ways I've been impacted by this narrative. See, and so we light these candles, hope, love, peace, joy. We don't light a fear candle, right? Because we're spending all our life trying to put that one out. And so the angel comes and says, don't be afraid. There's good news of great joy. That's for all the people. What is that news? Today, in the town of David, Bethlehem, the town of the king, there's a savior that's been born. And he's been born to you. And he is Christ and he's the Lord. Oh man, can you imagine for these shepherds? There's a king that's been born. This is the proclamation of the birth of the king of the Jews. Remember when the Magi come and they say, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? There's a king that was born. This is Good news of great joy, because it's not just a king, it is the king, amen? It is my king was born. You see, and the angels come, and they declare this, and they say, in the city of David, this savior, there's great joy. We are able to be saved because this baby has been born. Now, as we look at that, I thought to myself, how can I help us understand and, and I've been thinking to myself, how can I understand what were these shepherds thinking, right? As they're out in the field, and we talked about how these were the, the shepherds that were watching over the, the sheep that would be sacrificed, and so they were special shepherds. And, and so as they were there, they were probably shepherds who understood Scripture. And I thought, what were they thinking? When they heard this, what did they hear? Because we look back on it, Right? And so we've got all this information from the New Testament and all the revelation that's been brought to us that we bring into this. But as they were listening, what would they have heard? And the scriptures they would have had would have been the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. And there was one particular shepherd that I think they might have read quite a bit of his stuff. And that would have been David. And so as I thought about that, I thought... Why don't we take a look at one of the Psalms that David wrote? And in that, we can find out that joy is found in worshiping God. And so Psalm 96. Psalm 96 is a Psalm that, that David wrote, and I'd like to just read it to you. And, and the interesting thing about Psalm 95 to Psalm 100, right in that area, they are these Psalms that are just about this unbelievable joy. And so I want to read this for you, and just let it, let it pour over you. Let the word of God pour over you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O family of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. 
Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. See, David, right in this psalm, and in this psalm, it's just this unbelievable truth that joy can be found in worshiping God. Now, to really understand where this psalm is coming from and why I think these shepherds that the angel came to may have known this is because this psalm is so significant because it's found in two places in Scripture. It's found here in the Psalter, but then it's also found in First Chronicles. And it's found in First Chronicles, and I'm sure that each one of you remember in First Chronicles 16 that, that David sang this psalm as he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Okay, and so it was this time of unbelievable and incredible joy in the life of King David and in the life of the Israelites. See, the Ark of the Covenant is this unbelievable and, and mysterious in many ways that, that God had designed and laid it out for Moses to build this. And it was to contain the covenant of, of, of God with the Israelites. The Ten Commandments were in there, and, and there were others. And this was this amazing ark that celebrated the presence of God among his people. So this Ark of the Covenant, it, it had angels on the top, and there's all sorts of artists' renditions, although we really don't know exactly what it looked like. And, and it was the presence of God among his people. And so you may remember when they stepped into the Jordan River, and the priests were carrying it, and they had to walk into the river first, and then the water dissipated, and the Ark went ahead of the nation. And so when the Ark moved, the nation would move, and when it didn't, it wouldn't, and and so the ark was very much a part of their, of their conquest and everything because it, it displayed to all the nations of the world that the God of the Hebrew people was there. It was his presence. And so this ark of the covenant became so significant. But then during the judges period and everything else, it kind of got put aside and got lost and and it wasn't valued anymore because the presence of God wasn't sought. People were doing as they thought was best in their own eyes. So they didn't need the presence of God because they're making all their decisions on their own. And there was a battle that was going on. And, and there, was, there was this, it was turning against the Israelites. And so two, two men, uh, two, two of the sons of Eli... Hophni and, and Phinehi, they decided that they would bring the ark like some sort of magic box would come and they'd have the victory. Only 30,000 people died. And the ark fell into the hands of the Philistines. And it was lost. And so the presence of God was lost from the people of Israel, at least as represented by the ark. And it was taken into the Philistine territory. And it ended up in, 
in a temple to, uh, to Dagon, who was the Philistine god. And so here's the Philistine god, a statue of Dagon, and the Ark of the Covenant. And they come in the next morning, and Dagon is bowed down to the Ark of the Covenant. Hello, all right? And they thought, well, this isn't good. So they stood him back up because clearly he needed to be standing. And they came back the next day. Not only is he down bowing down, but his head and hands are on the threshold of the, of the temple. That's why the priest wouldn't ever walk on the threshold after that. So they thought, well, we got to get it out of here. So they moved it and they took it to Gath. And they got to Gath and brought it there and everybody was infected with tumors. Okay, because the presence of God was not where it was supposed to be. It was in a foreign land. And so they said, we don't want it here. So they took it to Ekron. And they get it to Ekron, and everybody there starts dying. And if they don't die, they get tumors so bad. So they're like, we got to get rid of this thing. So they said, how do we do this? And the priests of Dagon came and said, just put this thing on a cart and put two cows in front of it and let them go. And if they go back to Israel, we know that this was caused by God and that we just dodged a bullet. That's a paraphrase. And so... And, and so they, they let him go, right? And, and so the cart heads off, and it, and it ends up going back into Israel. And they're like, look at this. The ark is back. And so they, they take the, the cart that the ark was brought in. They break that up. They start a fire. They, they slaughter the cattle and sacrifice the cattle that brought the cart on that fire, and, and offer this to the Lord. And all of a sudden, Bet Shemash, where this, where this, car, where this uh, tabernacle is now, the, the Ark of the Covenant is blessed. And so they're like, oh my goodness. And so then they move it. And they move it to Kiriath Harim. And, and, and it's there for a long time. And then David... Because at the same time, David had come and taken over as king, and he had moved into that position. And he had then gone and taken Jerusalem from the Jebusites. And he had established Jerusalem as the city of David, the city of God, Zion. And so Jerusalem was established as the place where the Israelites would live. And so David longed to bring that Ark of the Covenant and bring it into Jerusalem. So he prepared a place for it. And they, he sent a cart to bring the Ark back into Jerusalem. And so they, they get that, the, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and they start bringing it in. And all of a sudden, it hit a bump and the Ark was ready to fall off and Uzzah put his hand up to keep it from falling. Drop dead, just like that. What's that about? All the intentions were good. The intentions were to bring the ark into Jerusalem, to bring the presence of God back into the city. And, and David didn't know what to do. He didn't understand, and he was angry. And so for three months, the ark stayed there. And David began to seek, and he realized that he was moving the ark in the wrong way. He was trying to bring the presence of God in the way that he wanted instead of the way that God had designed for his presence to be brought in. And so as he sought that, he sent the priests with the poles and they brought the ark up on their shoulders and they brought the ark into Jerusalem. And there was celebration. Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, sacrifices being made, all sorts of songs being sung. David was dancing in front 
He had a linen gown and linen ephod on, and he was dancing in front of the people, and he was just overwhelmed and overjoyed that the presence of the God, the presence of, of the God of Israel was coming into Jerusalem. And so this psalm that we're looking at is, is that psalm that was written to commemorate that event and that moment in time. So it's this time of great rejoicing, and the rejoicing is worshiping God, but worshiping who God is and what he would be in their lives. So joy is found in worshiping God. First, we're going to see that joy is found in singing praise to God. Joy is found in singing praise to God. It starts out right there in the beginning. See, it's easy to get an outline Sing to the Lord, okay? Sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. Three times it repeats itself. We need to sing to the Lord. David starts out and he says, sing to the Lord a new song. I love that. Now, it's not that he's saying, this that I've written is a new song. It's part of it. But do you know that every moment of the day, every moment of the day, you can sing a new song to the Lord? Right? Think about it. Remember in Lamentations? It tells us that his mercies are new every morning. Right? There's a new song that you can sing to the Lord. Sometimes I'll ask people, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. And they'll say, well, 46 years ago, I, I went forward and I asked Jesus as me, my Savior. Yeah, so what has he done for you lately? Right? Where's your new song? I mean, I love the fact that, yeah, when, when I was eight, I went forward, the chalk artist, and I went forward, and you're going to hell, son, I don't want to, okay. And, you know, I, I, I love that that's my testimony, is that God rescued me and saved me, but, but listen, he didn't just leave me there. I got a new song in my heart. So sing to the Lord a new song, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. Sing, sing, sing. Praise, proclaim, declare. See, it's this unbelievable truth that when you get filled with the joy of the Lord, because listen, if you've come to a place in your life where you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, amen, you come to the place where you realize that Apart from this baby being born and coming to earth, apart from God putting on flesh and coming and living the life that we couldn't live and then taking that perfect life and placing his body on the tree and our sin placed on his body and as we come to God and we say, God, I know that the things I've done are against you and I ask that you'd forgive me. I ask that you'd, you'd come and take my life and that, that you'd take my life of sin and exchange it for your life of righteousness. I, I give you my life. I, I ask that instead of me being autonomous from you, that I'd be knowing what it means to be in your presence. And when you do that, what happens is the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life. Whew. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. See, all of this fruit of the Spirit comes into your life. Then you have this joy, and you're able to proclaim and praise him and declare his glory among all the nations and his marvelous deeds among all peoples. See, in effect, this is what the angels were doing, right? The angel came and said, hey, I have good news of great joy. Salvation has come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. He is to be feared above all gods. Great is the Lord. Amen. You know, do you ever say that to yourself? Do you wake up in the morning, you know, swing your feet over the bed and put them on the floor and say, great is the Lord. I don't do that every morning. Great is the Lord. He is to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the nations are idols. Now as David's writing this, remember, this is the presence of God in, in the, as represented by this Ark of the Covenant. It's not literally his presence, but it's represented by that. And it's coming into Jerusalem. And listen, all the nations around. Because here's how God divides nations. There's the nation of Israel the Jews, and then there's Gentiles, okay? So when you look at scripture, you have Jews and Gentiles. So when we see in the Psalms, we see the nations, it's talking about the Gentiles. And so when, when David comes to this, and as this, as this uh, Ark of the Covenant is being brought into Jerusalem, there, he's declaring that, that this is the presence of God, and this is the God to be feared, and all the nations around would have understood that. They all knew that when Israel was in tune with the presence of God, that their God was going to protect them in whatever happened. Because God alone is to be feared above all the gods. Now there's a, a word play in the original language that we don't necessarily see here. Because it says for all the gods, and the word for, for that in the original language is Elohim, of the nations are idols. And, and the word for idols is Elohim. And, and so there's a word play there in the original language. And so all the Elohim of the nations are Elohim. And that word, Elohim, means no thing. All the gods of all the nations, other than the God of Israel, are nothing. They are no thing. They, they're, they're nothing. And Paul tells us that in Corinthians. He says, we all know that an idol is nothing. And so he, we realize that, that as we look at this, God is to be feared because all the other gods are no thing, no thing to be concerned about. The Lord made the heavens. The, the Lord made the heavens. The Lord made the heavens. Sometimes we read that, we go, yeah, I know. It's like, no, the Lord made the heavens. And, and it's like, wow. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. See, David is, is, is overwhelmed with joy because Lord, Jehovah, is the most worthy of prayers and he is the God of the Israelites, the God of the Jews, and he is to be feared above all gods. See, the presence of God, even as the, as the uh, Ark of the Covenant is being brought in and the presence of God is being ushered into Jerusalem, understand that if you've come to a saving knowledge of Christ, you have the presence of God in you, right? God is in you. You are constantly in the presence of God. You understand that? No. I remember when I was a kid, and they used to tell me that Jesus could come back at any time. Amen? 
Even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. But then they'd say, so make sure you're doing the right thing when he comes. Right? You don't want to get caught doing something bad when he comes. So I found myself looking up in the air, no sign, so then I'd go ahead and do something, right? You know, because that's joy. No, but hey, um, yeah, you are constantly in the presence of God. Now, there's one, one aspect of that that means he needs to be feared. But there's this other aspect where there is nothing about you that God does not know. And he loves you. Right? There is nothing about you. It's not like, oh, I can't tell God about that. He already knows. See, I don't know about you, but my deepest desire is to be loved for exactly who I am. And so many times the relationships we have become strained because we, we don't think that who we are is good enough or, or who we are is acceptable or whatever that is. But listen, with God, he loves you for just who you are. Listen, he's constantly working in your life to help you become more and more the person he's designed you to be. But he loves you for who you are. And, and because of that, he's to be feared. A little later in the Psalms it says, because with you there's forgiveness of sins, you are to be feared. So it's the fact that he comes and he knows our sins and he forgives them that we can stand before him. Joy is found in worshiping God. It's found in singing praise to the glory of God. And it's found in ascribing to the Lord what he is due. And again, here it is three times in these verses, ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. Ascribe to the Lord. Now that word ascribe basically means give. Give to the Lord. And, and, and I love this because he says, bring an offering. Come on into his courts. Right? There's that beautiful aspect of, listen, we come to the Lord not to get. We come to the Lord to give. See, he's already given. He, God loves the world so much that he gave his only son. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ dies for us. So God is generous. God is a generous, giving, kind-hearted God. But when we come to him, we don't come to get. We come to give. We come to give to the Lord the glory and the strength that he's due, that's due his name. We bring an offering and come into his courts. So as we come into his courts, as we come into the presence of God, as we begin to to come into his presence. And the best way that we do that is through prayer right now. As we, as we close our eyes or we raise our hands or we lay down on the ground, however it is that you move into the presence of God and you begin to have a conversation with him, unbelievable as it is that you can talk to the ruler of the universe and you come into his presence, it says, bring an offering and come into his courts. Bring an offering. Now this offering is not necessarily... The sacrifices that you may think of, this is a, a thank offering. The sacrifices in the Old Testament were required sacrifices, but when you came to the thank offering, this was not a required sacrifice. This was a sacrifice that moved out of the heart of someone who had been captured by God and by his goodness and had been overwhelmed by his presence. And so a person would, would be so amazed that God would love them and would care for them. And so they would bring an offering into the temple. And it would be an offering of thanks. Just thank you, God. Thank you. 
And so as you come into the presence of God, as you enter into his presence, into his courts, as you begin to sing his praises and proclaim his goodness and declare his majesty, and then as you move and you begin to give to him the praise for his glory and his strength and his marvelous works and all that happens, as you begin to do that and then just you start with thanks. You start by giving thanks. You don't walk into his presence and say, hey, I want this. Right? But we enter his courts with thanksgiving and we tremble before him all the earth. Why? Because we worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The splendor of his holiness. Now this is really cool. This is amazing. If you think of Isaiah, right? In Isaiah chapter six, excuse me, Isaiah comes before the Lord. And Isaiah's like the guy. He's like the guy at the time, right? He's the one who God is speaking to. He's the one who's given over to serving the Lord. He's given himself to serving the Lord. He's doing it right. He's, he's getting an A, okay? And, and he's doing it. And he comes before the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 6, it's, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord in the year the king Uzziah died. I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. John tells us that Isaiah saw Jesus sitting on the throne. And as Isaiah saw Jesus on the throne. He said, I'm the guy. I've been doing everything right. No! He's, he came before the Lord and he said, woe is me, I cried. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Listen, when he saw the holiness of God and when he heard the angels declaring holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, he was like, oh my word, how can I even be in the presence of a God like this? And the angel takes the coal and touches his lips and forgives his sin. And he's able to be in the presence of God. But it's the splendor of that holiness of God. Listen, do you, do you stop to think of just how magnificent God is? And as David writes this psalm, the psalm, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant's coming into Jerusalem. He's declaring this before all the people. He's declaring that this is to be true. He, he's, he's demonstrating that joy is to be found in worshiping God. He's singing praise to God. He's ascribing to the Lord what is due. But then it's, it's seen that joy is found in anticipating the Lord's return. Anticipating the Lord's return. Or in, in the context of the psalm, it's anticipating the Lord's coming. And this is why I believe the shepherds would have been so overwhelmed by this good news of great joy. Because the psalmist says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. I don't know about you, but I like that phrase. Especially this year. Amen? You know, the world has been firmly established. It cannot be moved. The song says he's got the whole world in his hands, right? See, God, Jesus, it tells us in Colossians, everything is sustained by him. It's held by him. It's cared for by him. See, we can, the Lord reigns. This magnificent God reigns. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. 
The world is firmly established, cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equities. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that's in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord for he comes. Hello, think about that. Have you ever heard trees sing? Have you? I mean, have you ever sat quietly in the fall? And listen to the leaves fall. Have you ever in the winter, when the wind moves, heard the bark rub up against each other? Have you ever heard this have you ever heard the trees sing? Have you ever heard the forests sing for the glory of God? See, they understand and know all creation that groans is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. But even as it groans, it sings. And it sings the praises of the one and only God who comes and he will judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. That's what the shepherds were waiting for. They were waiting for the king who would come, the king, the priest, the prophet, the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who would come and who would overthrow Rome and who would make things right because we're promised in Scripture. From Genesis chapter 3, we're told that a baby will be born, the seed of the woman will come, and he will crush Satan, and everything will be made right, and everything will be just And the people were longing for that. And the reason we light the candles is because of the anticipation they had that the Messiah would come and would reign in the way that David had proclaimed. And yet, Jesus came to save his people from their sin. Not from their situation in the world, not yet. But that day's coming. And we anticipate with great joy the day that our king will come and he will bring justice. And the evil in this world and the people who do evil and and the, the evil things that are done, the evil words that are said and all of the sin and all of the things that have caused disease and defilement and despair and darkness in this world, all of that will be judged and all of it will be brought into the glorious light of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who will reign forever on his throne as King and Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. And so that's why the forest sings. And Charles Spurgeon says, since the whole universe is to be clothed with smiles, shall we not be glad? I love that. Since all of the universe is to be clothed with smiles, shall we not be glad? Our God reigns. Our God rules. Our God is sovereign. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I wonder. One of the things that I see as I watch David and I read his psalms and I read his declarations, he was a shepherd king who knew his God and who knew his God knew him. And he knew he was a man after God's own heart. 
and he declared the glory of God. And as you read the Psalms and as you understand the way that he sought to know the glory and the majesty and the splendor of God in his life, and he was swept away by it. I wonder, how's it for you? How big is your God? Is your God in a box? Is your God the God who made the heavens? Is your God the God who gives you this breath? Is your God the God who took away COVID? Is your God the God you stop in and see for an hour on Sunday? Who is your God? And listen, if you learn to worship God with a new song every day, you will find joy in the Lord that will allow you to know the peace of God in your life. So what? What have I allowed to rob my joy in the Lord? And what do I need to do to keep my joy in the Lord? What are those things that rob your joy? Because joy is yours. We've established that. The fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you know Christ as your Savior, you have the joy of the Lord in your life. Is there anything you've allowed in your life to rob the joy? Have you been listening to narratives that have brought fear into your life? Have you been, have you been listening to things that have caused you to believe that, that there's something to be trusted in other than God? See, David, when he talks about those idols of the other nations, what he's talking about is anything you trust in for your security above and beyond God. And this year, most interestingly, has been a year where a lot of that stuff's been taken from us, right? But a lot of people are longing to get it back. And I wonder if we aren't better to let it go. So God, thank you. Thank you for joy. Thank you that you sent Jesus. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth, let me receive my king. Let my heart, let every heart, let our hearts prepare him room. And join in with song with heaven and earth. God, we declare here today that you are majestic and righteous and holy, and just, magnificent. You are kind, you are good, you are loving, you are gracious, you are merciful. You are all-powerful, you are all-knowing, you are unchanging. You are an amazing God, and we are amazed by you. You alone are worthy of our praise. You are an awesome God, and God, we declare that you alone are worthy of our worship. And we ask, Lord, that you would move in our hearts in new ways to understand the fullness of what it means to embrace the good news of great joy that a king has been born to us. Jesus, king of kings, Lord of lords, and he reigns over all there is. And one day he will come to take us to the place he has prepared for us. Until then, Lord, may you find us faithful as we celebrate the birth of this amazing king. 
in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. May I ask you to stand and and hear, hear a word of blessing over you. God, I pray that we would be overwhelmed with your joy in our lives. God, I pray that each person here would be blessed in a way to know you intimately, joyfully. And God, may, may we, may we this day know you well for your glory and in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I release you to a week of work, witness, and worship.